Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Greenhouse Movement Podcast. I'm Mike Patz, and I've got a couple of guests with me. What's up, everyone? My name is Joel. I'm an associate pastor here at Greenhouse Church. And my name is John Lash. I am the pastor of our Greenhouse Church down in South Florida. And What's we're going to jump right in. We're going to talk about uh, racism. We're going to talk about diversity. We're going to talk about unity. We're going to talk about what's going on in our country right now. And uh, I'm just going to throw you guys the lob ball and say, Pastor Joel, start with you. Uh, what's going on and how should we even be approaching this all the drama that's taking place in our culture right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, this week has been, I, I would say these se several weeks have been really challenging for me, just processing what's taking place in our nation. Two weeks ago, you had Ahmaud Arbery, um, a young black unarmed man taking a jog. I go for jogs often, um, about the same age as me, and was brutally murdered in the streets. And you had these two guys who murdered him, go home, have dinner, wash up, and they weren't arrested or even questioned until two months later. And to see that, there's a level of pain, a level of anger, a level of sadness that just fills our hearts. Especially people my age, minorities, blacks, when we see that, we see our family, we see our friends. I had a friend of mine, I posted Ahmad's Aubrey's picture on my Facebook, and a friend of mine reached out to me from Haiti and said, he said in Creole, he said, Joel, is this your family member? And I thought for a moment, I said, yeah, he's my brother. I, I haven't met him, but he's my brother, and this has impacted me deeply. And so when we see the Ahmad Arberries, you fast forward two weeks now, and, and George Floyd, we see our brothers, we see our friends, we see our uncles, I see myself. And the thought does cross my mind, like that could have been me. And so just processing that, the pain, the anger, the sadness, the frustration, man, I love Jesus, but my anger has been through the roof. And I've constantly daily had to take that to the Lord and ask him to, to, to work in me with that. But man, my prayer, my hope is that unarmed black men who are becoming hashtags, almost it seems like every day, uh, that that number won't outgrow the awesome and amazing men that I know in my life. My brother and Latif and, and, and Dr. Sola and Xavier and all of these amazing men, I don't want them to end on a hashtag or them being posted on the internet or videos of them being streamed online, of them being executed or murdered in the streets. And so uh, my heart has been grieved, man, just deeply grieved. And, and crying out to the Lord for justice. Joel, what are you saying to the black man right now that's listening? And he is, he's, he's angry and he's raging. And, and, and I think as a Christian, I'm wondering if there's some of us that feel like the pressure of, oh, it's not okay for me to feel this way. Like I, I shouldn't be feeling this. Like I, I, am I getting the pressure from the institutional church that it's not okay for me to be angry right now? I mean, what would you say to that? No, I say it's okay for you to feel that anger. In fact, if you didn't feel that anger, something would be wrong. I think there's something about our body and how God made us, even physically, that speaks to this, where we feel pain. And actually, if you can't feel pain, it's a sign that something has gone strangely wrong. That's really and so good. if you, if you don't really feel good. pain, then something is wrong. But there's a, a means, if you're a Christian, to channel that where God has called us to take that, hone that, give it over to him, and then creatively, he begins to show us how, how we are to respond. John, I want you to piggyback from this, but if you don't feel pain, something's wrong. Go ahead. Boom, okay. 
that analogy. So by the way, we as followers of Jesus are a family and we're called the body. First Corinthians, Paul talks about this, right? We're, we're the body of Jesus. So this is what's happening right now. And, and obviously I'm speaking as a, as a white man who is, who I have family. Joel is my brother. We are connected by the blood of Jesus as deep as deep can be. How crazy would it be if I got up and like, all right, we're done filming. And I got up and I nailed my shin on this table. How crazy would it be if I'm like, well, I don't feel it. My head was like, I don't feel it. My ear was like, I don't even know what happened. It didn't happen to me. What happens? Because my body is working properly, every part of my body feels deeply what happens to any part of my body. Yes. Because it's my body and it's working properly. Unless you've got leprosy. Unless you have leprosy and arguably what might be happening right now is the leprosy of his body is no, being that, revealed. That, that's what a great analogy that is actually at the moment because you're exactly right. If one part of the body is crying out in pain yeah. and other parts of the body are just saying, you know, what meaneth this? What's yeah. even going on? Yeah. So, so I think here's my experience. I, I had, this is why, by the way, I think the church, the family of God is best equipped to deal with this current moment because we already know we have the common denominator. We have the same dad. We're family. We have the same father. I got it. And it's one of the reasons why I love interacting with our church, you know, South Florida, the, the greenhouse down there is because I know the hearts of most of our people. And um, so I had one guy when I, when Ahmaud Arbery happened and our church, you, you know, posted a bunch, everyone was posting. I think he saw a bunch of posts from people in our church with Ahmaud Arbery's picture. And so he sent me a message. He said, Hey, did you know this guy? And it was, and this was why it was important. You know, we heard Pastor Mike preach. Uh, you heard Jesus talk about justice and mercy, right? Because I know this guy, because I love this guy, I didn't take his question as an affront. I just took it as a genuine question. I was like, you know what? Let me answer. I said, you know what? I did not know this guy, but I've had enough conversations of members of our church family who are people of color to know that Ahmaud Arbery is about Ahmaud Arbery, but it's not just about Ahmaud Arbery. It is a Band-Aid being ripped off an infected, festering, and opened wound, and it brings back all of the experiences of all of our church family members of, and people of color that they have had in their own personal lives. And so Ahmaud Arbery brings them back. Ahmaud Arbery is, is Trayvon Martin and Eric Gar- it, 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 It's also connected and it brings them back to, the, in middle school I did this, and in elementary school this happened. And then I remember when I was in college, it's all, it all goes back to this experience that has happened over and over again. And so I think as a body, it's really important to listen to the rest of our body and acknowledge that, that yeah, it, it, it's real. Something deep, something painful, something is happening that's more than just isolated incidents, especially as you extend out in conversations. What do you two perceive to be some of the biggest challenges right now that the church has? When we're thinking in this moment right now, I, I, I like to think we actually have a, quite an opportunity. We really have an opportunity to see something happen substantial because I think we've got resources from heaven that the earth needs very badly. I think people are scrambling on the earth to try to solve problems and there are not enough resources on the earth to do so. But in heaven, we do have these resources, these virtues and values and ethics. Uh, But it's a challenge, man. We have a challenge on our hands right now. What do you two perceive? You're both pastors. What do you perceive to be challenges that people that follow Jesus have before us where we've got a test? And if we pass it, I think there could be some real gains that come from this. But if we drop these balls, I mean, there could be some serious consequences. Could could you speak to that, either one of you, just a little bit? Yeah, I would say I think really what I perceive is the Lord giving us, the church, an invitation to come deeper into his love, to walk deeper into what it means to love. 
And I think about the young rich ruler for some reason. It's, it's been something I've been meditating on, thinking about these circumstances where you have this rich guy come to Jesus and say, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, hey, keep the commands. He says, listen, Jesus, I've been keeping these since my youth. And Jesus gives him an invitation. He says, hey, you forgot one thing. This one thing, it's going to cost you a lot. Come, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And I think about that, and I think about what we are faced with in the church right now. And I think it's an opportunity. It's going to cost us a lot. We're going to have to give up a lot. We're going to have to lay down our privilege. We're going to have to lay down some of the things we've gained. But if we're willing to do it, I think that we, we will grow in our love for one another. We would grow in our voice because Jesus says they will know you are my disciples by the love that you have. So where the church has dropped balls in the past in the 60s or you can go all the way back to uh, the, the 1920s, you can go back to the 1500s with slavery and, and John Newton and all of, those, all of those people that were a part of that. We have an opportunity to redeem our prophetic voice if we accept the invitation to say, hey, it might cost me. And I've been so thrilled, Mike. I can't, I can't tell you enough the joy and the healing and the win in myself it's been to see my brothers and sisters who are white rise up and join me. I, I can't. I can't tell you how much it's meant to have I see you, Joel, and your dignity is affirmed. To have Scott Brown and, and you march with me. Because when we look at George Floyd, I see my father, I see my brother. And for me to know, man, if it was Mike or if it was Scott, I'm coming to bat for you because I love you just as much. It means the world. It means the world. And, and, I, and my prayer is that the church would, would take the invitation to love deeply, which begins with listening, which begins with empathy, which begins with imagining what it's like. I know you can never, you can never fully know because you're not a person of color, but you can sit across the table and you can have a conversation and imagine what it's like and go there with me. Yeah, I think in some ways the, the problem lies in the problem. So if you've got a system, if you've got a, a situation, let's call it, that's dealing with two people differently, you've never felt it in one way that someone else has felt it, and so you, cannot, you literally cannot feel it because you've never felt it. And, and so I think this is the moment and the opportunity to learn the skill of empathy. Like the, the reality is if you've experienced a system in a certain way, you feel it whether you want to or not. The nature of privilege is that if you have not experienced a system in a certain way, you actually get to opt in or opt out. And the default natural tendency is who's like, yeah, I'd really love some more pain today. In the midst of a global pandemic, I'm feeling like pain would be great. Nobody wants, you're a crazy person if you want that, unless your motivation is love and unity. John, and I know we did an interview that was shown on Sunday, a Sunday morning, but anyone that's listening to this podcast, I really liked what you were saying about the head and the heart. I mean, can you just speak into that for a second? Because a lot of people are jumping straight to their yeah. heads. I've got an inbox full of all yeah. sorts of intellectual mm -hmm. pushback on statements that we're making even today. All right. So let me give you an example. If you follow Jesus, if you don't follow Jesus, I hope you'll see the wisdom in this. And if you follow Jesus, I hope you would be motivated to walk like Jesus did when he dealt with humanity. Let's talk about Jesus and Lazarus. Jesus shows up and he has all the intellectual information. He knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. So what does he do? He steps in and he sits in the space. 
He observes the facts. He hears the accounts from Mary and Martha. He feels to the extent that it says in John, what? That Jesus, it's the shortest Bible verse. You can memorize the whole thing right now. Jesus, what? Wept. And I think the tendency of humanity, especially cerebral North American culture, is we think it first and we feel it maybe. And what we see in Jesus is that Jesus is adamant that he comes down. The word says John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt. It lived. He sat amongst us feeling all the feelings, knowing that he was going to help be a part of the solution, but he felt it before he fixed it. And so I think the challenge for any of us that are, that are, if you're one of my white brothers and sisters watching, the challenge is if you watch a video, if you read an article, whereas Joel might be saying he, it hits him and he doesn't have to do anything. He's, I mean, Joel shared, if you missed the sermon on Sunday, by the way, highly encourage you to check that out. He said he, he felt, and he's weeping. And maybe you're like me and you read it and you're, you're like, man, that's, that's really bad. The reality is pressing in into empathy, pressing in and saying, God, give me your heart. I, I, wanna, I wanna feel this like you feel this. Because the reality is we're talking about Father God and his children. God, I wanna feel it like you feel it. I wanna, I wanna see it like you see it. I think it is of the utmost importance that before you step in with your head, you sit in with your heart. And I think if we can do that as a starting place, you're beginning from a point of empathy. You're beginning from a point of understanding. If you have not experienced it in that way, it takes effort and energy, but I believe Joel. I believe, my, I believe members of our microchurch who are people of color. It's, it's not some aberration of like, well, it's just George Floyd. No, it's not. Well, it's just Ahmaud Arbery. No, it's not. Well, it's just Breonna Taylor. No, it's not. Well, it's just Trayvon Martin. No, it's not. Well, it's just Eric Gardner. No, it's not. How many names? But then it's like, well, don't even deal with those names. Go talk to people in your real life who are members of your church family and just get to the point where you're like, I, I haven't experienced that, but I love and believe you. So Lord, help me to feel it. And if we can start there, I think Jesus can do some pretty amazing things in and through his body, as broken and leprous in some ways as we might be. Make us whole. Joel, what's your, what's your experience? There's a lot of people in our faith family. Some people are listening to this podcast and they've, they've never met you, but let me just introduce you guys to Joel, who is one of our pastors, one of the most anointed preachers of the gospel that you could ever hear. When this man gets up to lead people in prayer, it is incredible. Oh, yeah. Former athlete. He's a chaplain for the Gator football team, and uh, God uses him. But literally everywhere Joel goes, people love him. You know, so people, everybody tells, oh, I love Joel. I love Joel. Oh, I love Joel. And yet I want you to hear Joel right now. Joel, what is your experience? Yeah, I, I mentioned early on, like John was saying during the sermon, that I believe every person of color has two experiences that is sketched in their minds. Um, and, and they are the day that you find out that you're black and the day that you find out that's a problem. And I would never forget, for me, it was around the age of 12 or 13. I was in middle school um, playing basketball and I grew up on the outskirts. So kind of like on the railroad tracks where on this side you had uh, the inner city, but on the other side, you have the wealthier neighborhoods. And so I went to an inner city school, and I remember being with a group of friends. We were finishing up practice, walking home, and having a racial slur called out towards us. And I, I, I had no clue what it meant. I was like, man, what's, what's happening? What's going on? And then to have later on my dear friend, who we were walking, walking home from school one day, to have the police come and stop us and 
I remember just witnessing my friend tased for no other reason of like, hey, you, you guys shouldn't be in this area, you shouldn't have been here. Um, and, and just the stories go on and on and on of my journey moving here from Miami, city boy coming to Gainesville, and just experiencing the, the traffic stops, uh, experiencing the level of fear of, man, could I be another Eric Garner? Could I be another Michael Brown? Could I be another Trayvon Martin? And the constant wonder of like, man, that can be my brother. That can be my father. And so my experience has been just really what I see on TV and what I hear about and the, the, the brothers and sisters that shares this story with me, like I have had firsthand experience of, of that level of injustice just because of the color of my skin. They didn't know me from Adam. They didn't, they didn't know my story. They didn't know my journey. But because I was black and I was living in this country, uh, we got treated differently. Let's do a little spitball here because we're just going to keep this very, very safe, okay? Um, people are very exhausted. Yeah. People are very, very tired, you know? Uh, so I'll, I'm going to say to either one of you, I'll, Joel, I'll start with you also, you, John. Do, what should I do? What should I not do? What can I say? What should I not say? I, I went to church. They told me to connect with people of other colors. I tried to connect with people of other colors. They told me to back off. They need space. I had other people say, come close. I had people say, if you don't speak up, then you are complicit in the problem. So I did speak up. And then people said, you spoke up the wrong way. Or why are you on, where you been this whole time? I noticed you're talking now. It seems like you're just trying to build your social media platform by, by tagging along now. Uh, you need to back down. You need to back up. You need to stand up. You need to sit down. Oh my gosh. Please help me. I am so slow coming to this party right now, but do either one of you guys have any advice for anybody that's in one of those spots? And maybe they don't want to go exhaust someone else that are listening to this podcast right now, and they're like, could this be a safe place for me to get the information? I'm taking notes right now. Tell me what to do. I want to go from here. That's awesome. So I would say the first thing is if, if you're a person of color, we have to root ourselves in a first Corinthians type of love that requires truth and courage. And I think that we have to be willing to extend grace. And I know a lot of people have expressed to me phone calls and conversations, Joel, I'm just so tired, I'm numb, I'm done, I'm weary. And I get that and I say, hey, listen, there's a timetable for you to grieve, there's a timetable for you to heal, but at some point we gotta get back to the gospel, we gotta get back to love and that love as 1 Corinthians 13 kind of highlights for us, it endures all things. It bears all things. It hopes all things. It believes all things. And so the first thing is I want to just encourage, like, man, there are going to be people who are of the majority culture that's going to be seeking out. I want to learn and I want to grow. And they're not going to get it right. They may not say the, the right thing, but we have to love them. We have to extend grace. We have to embrace them because it's in that love that transformation can take place and transformation can happen. And so I want to encourage on that. And on the other end, with my majority culture, my, my brothers and sisters of a lighter hue, I want to encourage you to seek to seek out knowledge, right? The first thing that, to do when it comes to love, like I'm married to my wife for three years, she's an amazing person, beautiful, but I know the first way I can serve my wife is by listening intently, listening and learning. And so I wanna encourage you that you seek out information and resources and maybe a person of color, 
uh, maybe don't start with asking them, hey, can you give me the 400 year history of, of <laughs> what happened and the plight of African Americans within this country? You could read books. Yes, exactly, which John, maybe you can, can kind of point people in that resource, but that is reliving that trauma. But I would say, man, seek to understand, seek to know, and then have conversation, have relationship. Um, go break bread together, go build genuine, not, hey, I, I have two black friends. No, build genuine relationships. Um, like I shared with you all on the, on the, in the sermon, Scott Brown, I think he's in his 50s. Um, but I, I don't know a brother I love more that I will go for, to bat more. And I, I tell you what, it's, it baffles me because if I was in Miami, I would have never <laughs> be friends with Scott Brown. But he's my brother. I've seen him have my back in my marriage. I've seen him call and say, Joel, I pray for you every single day. I've driven down to his house in Ocala when we had a, a little kind of beef or whatnot. Like, I love him. We have history and we've grown together. It's a genuine relationship and we're different. And so I would, I would encourage you to seek out those types of relationships. John, I really like you to hit something that you did hit earlier. Anyone that didn't hear the podcast about yeah. some people that are, they, they need to have a little intellectual, a little emotional intelligence right now. Yeah, so sensitivity is key. Um, Joel sort of referenced and danced around the idea of tokenism, um, which is basically, if you have had, so here's what I said, and by the way, you, I think you've heard us reference at least enough the sermon on Sunday. If you didn't watch that, definitely go watch that um, because we unpacked some more of this and I think you want to learn as much as you can right now if we endeavor to be one like Jesus wants us to be, like he prayed we would be. Um, but anyways, one of the things I said that I think is, and I'll rehash here, is if you have already existing genuine relationships with friends who are people of color, press deeply into those relationships with empathy, with love, with a desire to understand, with encouragement, with, hey, can, I, can we sit down and bring over a meal? No, okay, can I just bring you food and drop it off at the door? What do you need? I'm here for you. We're together in this thing, prayer, all of that. But you also need to be honest and a little bit, a little bit self-aware. And if you're not normally self-aware, then this would be a great time to pray. God, help me be self-aware because this is a great moment for it. If you have acquaintanceships, surface level, distant, we say hi every now and then at church across, from across the way with people of color, this is not the moment to make them your personal librarian and index on all things race relations. You heard Joel say it, we're tired. It, we're, we're hurting, we're exhausted. Like if you want to love, here's the most loving thing you can do, read books. Learn on your own. Like I, I say that, I'm not trying to be facetious. There are tons of great resources. Um, Generous Justice is a great book. Just Mercy is a great book. You can watch documentaries. You can jump into books, historical deep dives like the new Jim Crow. There's lots of things you can do on your own. I think often what we do, and speaking as a white person, is you, feel, you might feel uncomfortable and so you're like, oh, I, I, need to, I need to reach out to this, this, this black friend or this Hispanic friend or whatever. And if you were really to be honest in that moment, it's not as much about them as it is about you. Your desire to, to sort of like push away the, the feelings of guilt or shame. And by the way, shame isn't from Jesus. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That's good. Shame makes it all about you. That's actually selfish. That's not helpful for anyone, not even you. And so what, 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 if you're in that space, my recommendation would be to sit there for a little bit. It's awkwardly uncomfortable, I get it. And ask some deep questions. You know, why, why don't I have any deep friendships right now with people of color, with people who are different from me? Why is that? Should that be the case? And ask Jesus to change your heart. Like this is the beauty of, if you're a follower of Jesus, 
David said, Lord, search me and know me. Test my heart. See, see if I'm missing anything. See if there's any wicked way. And then lead me in the way of the everlasting. This is a great moment for that. You're like, are you saying I'm a bad person? No, I'm saying you're a person. I'm saying you're a human. Like this is, this is the reality of our frame. We all have blind spots. Guess who doesn't? God. So just ask him. He'll, be, he'll definitely tell you and he'll do it in love and he'll be gentle and he'll give you next. Like it's amazing to have a father like ours. Start there. And then here's the beautiful thing. You have a lifetime to enact those changes. You have a lifetime to say, never this moment in history will mark me forever. And I will never again, by the grace of God, sit in a spot where I only have close friends that look like me and think like me and feel like me and talk like me and make money like me. Never again. Guess what that's called? Diversity, which is what we, one of the things we love here at Greenhouse. And so do not, do not use people for your own purposes. Maybe you didn't even intend it like this. T.D. Jakes did a phenomenal interview with Carl Lentz. I'm, I'm just tossing out all sorts of things, things you can go and watch right now. T.D. Jakes did a great interview with Carl Lentz. One of the things he said was, it was just raw and honest and dripping in love. He said, listen, I don't wanna be your token black person on a stage. I wanna be your friend. And I think that's the reality in the heart posture of the kingdom. So those would be my recommendations. I think oftentimes, if you're, if you're even listening to this, chances are, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and assume, give you the benefit of the doubt. If you're a white person, you are, you are looking to learn. You are looking to grow. You are feeling, or at least wanting to feel some of the feelings. Ask God, start with reading, start with Jesus, and he'll lead you from there. I'm about to ask you guys a question. I do just want to say something, though, because, Joel, I threw the question to you, and you immediately went and were telling black people, hey, we need you to be patient and kind. And I do just want to make clear, the history of this has been asking minorities to make the first move. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to clarify very, uh, I just want to be very clear here. It is my opinion that this is, this is not the time to, um, to, and I know that's not what you were doing, obviously. I think you were just being kind and godly and holy and humble and all that kind of thing. But uh, I just want to be super clear that if you have privilege or power or position or opportunity, you are supposed to use that and, and not always be asking someone else to go make that first move. Uh, yeah, so I and I think, speaking. and that is a reality. If you have privilege... Again, if you go and, oh, what am I supposed to do, feel ashamed? No, that's selfish. That's not helping anyone. Here's, here's one thing you can do. The reality is if you have not experienced something in, in terms of um, strong bias, prejudice, if you don't have a ton of stories like Joel just rattled off, which is heartbreaking, sitting on a couch, he was just able to rattle off that many stories. If you have not had that, those many stories, here's the thing. You don't feel it as deeply. Maybe the anger isn't as deep for you because you have not felt it as palpably. So we need, as, as white people who want to join and come alongside as allies to our brothers and sisters in Christ, you have an opportunity to not be a jerk to people who don't get it. Yeah. Like this is our moment. It's like, if yeah. you sit there, you didn't always get it, right? And God was patient with you. What leads us to repentance? His kindness. This is a moment for justice. Like we preached on Sunday, justice and mercy. And so I think if anything, it, the onus is on me and people who look like me to sit into spaces and not just slam people when they're, when they're missing it, but to say, Hey, let's have, let's have a sidebar. Cause I can track with what you're thinking. And I used to think like that, or I remember those thoughts or whatever the case might be. And I think that's actually very helpful. And it's also very godly. All right. Super practical. Both of you closing question. What can we do? Like we're leaving this podcast. What are some things you would actually like us to do? Like how could we put God's word or the ways of justice into practice in the real world right now? I'll let you tackle that one, John. 
Want to tackle that one first? Yeah. I think there's probably never been... I'll just tell you what I've done, okay? So um, I mentioned on Sunday, this is not an area where I pe- I'm a preacher and I can talk about lots of things for unending periods of time. Some might say my wife probably feels. Um, this is not an area where I... If I'm being honest, this is not an area where I feel particularly fluent. Um, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm kind of doing goo-goo-ga-ga baby speak. Um, but it's something, and the more I've had conversations, especially with members of our faith family who are people of color, they're like, man, John, I, I get it. You don't want to say the wrong. And maybe you're here if you're a white person, maybe you're watching and you're like, I just don't want to say the wrong thing. I 100% get that. I've had those conversations. Uh, I had a, friend, a conversation with a friend. And he said, John, I get it. I get you don't want to say the wrong thing and, and, and make it worse or bring pain. But realize that by saying nothing, it is equally and sometimes even more painful. I, I think as, as white followers of Jesus, we need to do the deep soul work of learning to speak the truth in love. Like that, that is a reality that's called, that we're called to in scripture. Um, and I think that's really important. The other thing I've been doing is I've been saying, Lord, I, I don't have lived experiences to draw off of, to feel deeply. We talked about empathy. So Lord, I'm gonna need you to gift me with your heart for this. I'm gonna need you to help me feel what you feel. I'm gonna need you to help me see what you see. If you're watching, you're like, I don't see it, John. I don't get it. I don't understand it. That is part of the problem because you haven't experienced it. Here's who has experienced it, God. Here's who has experienced it, your brothers and sisters in Christ who are people of color. And so I think pressing in in prayer, pressing in in your learning and understanding, um, I think is a starting point for when you get changed. How, how do we enact systemic change? If, the, you know, if we're believing people, it starts here and it extends to lots of other people getting it here. And then we go and address things in unity and solidarity out there. Yeah, I would add to that. I would say the very first thing is to make a commitment to the gospel. And when I say the gospel, I mean make a commitment to walk in the ways of Jesus at all costs, which we know is the way of love, it's the way of forgiveness, because what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself in circumstances like this where you're going to be tempted to abandon ship on, as Mike preached this past Sunday, either on justice or mercy. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be tempted to choose one or the other. And so I just want to encourage you, the first thing that you can do in applying justice is to make that commitment that I'm going to walk out the gospel at all costs. I think of Dr. John Perkins and uh, Pastor Mike. I think it was uh, 2019. Him and I went to Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, where we were honoring Dr. John's Perkins' life. And it was such a blessing and an honor for me to be there because I witnessed a man who made a commitment to walk out the gospel. When he could have chose, hey, I'm, I'm going to walk out justice and be angry and allow bitterness to be louder than the gospel, he chose, no, rather, I'm going to choose the way of love. And here you have, in this room, filled with people from all different walks of life. You had senators and governors and all types of people there. And I just remember it, it really marking my heart. I was like, man, I want my life to have that impact where there's so many people of all different walks of life who are my friends, who who we've walked together and we've had memories together and we've both been changed as we've walked towards Jesus. And so the very first thing is you got to choose in your heart to make that commitment that I'm going to walk out and live out the gospel. The second thing I I would encourage is is really just to get involved in your community. You know, to be woke is, is a term 
that's thrown out there, it, it, it pretty much means, man, I'm gonna be involved with what's happening in my community. What are the needs? I'm gonna be aware. I'm gonna acknowledge what's happening, whether it be economic disparities, whether it be, hey, there's a need for mentoring and tutoring. We all have platforms. And that's the thing, you know, I was tempted during this time as I was grieving, the Holy Spirit's just like, hey, Joel, like you, you can't check out right now. I, and for me, it's, I'm like, I want to check out and I feel terrible and I just want to, man, Lord, can I just take two, two days and just, he's like, no, you have a platform. You're pouring into athletes. I need you to rise up. And he gave me the strength to do it, to rise up and use my platform to inspire and encourage and challenge people and disciple people in the gospel, which challenges our implicit biases, which challenges our privileges and say, yo, Joel, you're you have, I, I'm, a, I'm a Haitian that lives in America. I have a certain level of privilege. I go back to Haiti twice a year because I acknowledge like there are Haitians that would, I mean, literally would give everything to be where I am. And so I have to disciple others in doing that as well. And so I just encourage you, one, commit to the gospel. Two, just be aware of what's happening in your community. What is your platform and privilege and leverage that for the, for the sake of the least and the lost. We are people of justice. Whether black, white, Jew, Hispanic, we want God's justice to reign on earth as it is in heaven. And so those were the words I would, I would share in that regard. Guys, that's great. There's gonna be a lot more to say. There's a long way to go, but I sense the life of God on this. And we are very much hoping and praying, if you're even listening to this podcast, that there'd be something inside of you that wants to, that really wants to see justice and mercy go and roll and do their thing. And I thank you, Pastor Joel. Thank you, Pastor John, for what you've done. Thanks for being a part of today's podcast. I do pray it has been uh, stirring for you, maybe sharpening, hopefully challenging. And may the peace of God go with you. Go live green. We will see you next time. See you.